Your voice sounds incredible. It sounds very good. Really? Yeah. Well, I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> that's when I had one sip of whiskey and look what's coming out of my mouth now. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the 40K Fireside Podcast. I'm David Gaylor, and I'm joined by my good friend, Vic Vijay. Together, we discuss 40K in the meta from our perspective, along with events we've recently been to and those that have got coming up. So come on down to the Fireside and listen. All right, everyone, welcome back to Fireside episode number eight. And uh, we're joining you this time a little bit more positive, a little bit more excited, because we're going to be attending the Leicester Super Major this weekend. And me and Dave thought we would mix it up a little bit with this episode and try and do something that we often do when we go to singles events with our team. And we're attending this event with uh, seven of our Dice Down team members. So that's a seven of us in total. So there's 10 of us in the team. So it's almost the entire team. Mm-hmm. And we're going to be doing this episode looking through a few of our team members lists, their first round pairings, and the kind of advice we would give them if we were in a singles event with them on how to best tackle their first round pairings. And then uh, we're going to hit up talking a little bit about the meta, a little bit about the list that we brought to the event. And hopefully we'll keep you entertained all the way through Fireside episode number eight. Episode number eight. Alrighty, yeah, so uh, I'm pumped. Leicester's going to be a wicked tournament. It's going to be 240 players, I think, which is good. I think the last time we've had a tournament of that size is Birmingham, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, this obviously, is huge. Obviously, apart from LGT, but it's really, um, it's really good to see the numbers um, getting up there, especially, uh, I think, with the kind of state of the economy and cost of living crisis that we've had in the UK. I know that that's kind of disrupted a lot of people's ability to go to events, so... On a different note from 40K, I'm really happy to see that there's a large amount of people uh, people attending. I think it's really cool for the, um, for the community. For sure. I love that these events are held in kind of the middle of the UK. So it's kind of possible for everyone to attend and visit. So um, they've always been popular, the ones in the, in the Midlands. And uh, Leicester's no exception to that. Yeah, it's going to be great. Uh, all right. So do you want to crack off with the list first? Or do you want me to crack off? I don't mind either way. Uh, okay, shall I start off with one? So I'm going to go for one of our teammates. I'm going to go for Jim. Uh, Jim Bessie is maybe not the most well-known player, but he's a very, very talented and skilled player. We uh, practice with him a lot. He plays on TTS a lot. Yep. And he is a faction specialist. So he's been on Drakari all the time. And he's been slowly adapting his list, making sure that he still has the units that he enjoys playing, not just the things that are the most efficient. Um, So Jim's list is a bit eclectic and interesting. He's got a triple patrol in there. And uh, so I'm going to go, there's a lot of units in this. (laughs) So I'm going to just do each detachment and give people a rough overview of it. So he's got his first detachment, which is Kabbalah the Black Heart, getting access to Agents of Vect with an Archon with the Fight Last and the Animus Vitae Grenade, which he can throw to increase the uh, power from Pain Chart mm-hmm. by one. So he can get Advance and Charge potentially on turn one yep. if he hits with the Animus Vitae. He's got two units of racks and two small units of five Incubi in this detachment. And then his second detachment is a Dark Technomancer's detachment. 
Um, in this detachment, he's got Drazar, who is the Warlord and has got Hatred Eternal, so he's got full rerolls to hit and wound. Um, and then he's got three units of racks in here. Now, because it's Dark Technomancers, he has taken guns on these three units of racks. So he's got Hex Rifle, Ossifactor on each unit. Yep. And then he's got two units of Grotesque, just four man, and two units of Kronos. One is three man and one is two. Uh, and it's just all the guns in that. And then he's got two Raiders, interestingly, with uh, Disintegrator Cannons on here, which are really good in Dark Technomancers because they can go up to damage three. Yep. And uh, Venom as well. And then his last detachment is a Witch Cult detachment with Test of Skill and Slashing Impact. I think Slashing Impact is Mortals on the Charge, I think, on Sixes. And Test of Skill is a little bit better uh, against Vehicles and Monsters. Uh-huh. He's got a Succubus with the uh, Mortal Wound Whip. And he's got five racks and a big unit of Reavers, which is Jim's kind of trademark. <laughs> um, uh, I think it's a unit of nine uh eight a unit of eight uh and he's got five scourges just to do actions with uh so jim's list has got a little bit of everything as a proper msu kind of drukari list and his first round matchup is against okay so i'm gonna might pronounce this wrong it's an irish name i think it's Aoife mcgraw is the name Mm -hmm. so um has got a necron list so he's got a Novok list, which is a slightly combat-y one, additional point of AP, um, and plus one to charge. He's got 18 Scarabs, three units of three Canoptic Spiders, two Reanimators, five Wraiths, 30 Warriors, a Technomancer, and two Chronomancers. Is this the so, Army of Renown? It is the Army of Renown, mm. Cult of the Cryptech. Any idea, Dave, what that uh, is? Look, honestly, Gosh. it beats me, and this is, I guess... Uh, this is a great episode for him because uh, we're all kind of like uh, it's Necrons but the Army of Renown is a little bit different my broad understanding about the Army of Renown is that A you can't get um, you can't get the pre-game movement obsec which is a huge part of the for um, sure. premise of why the army was so strong but also you do you sacrifice a little bit but you gain as in like your restrictions are that you can't run some um, units so uh, there's, there's that but you gain a lot of offensive output so the way i would think about it as a whole and this is definitely not an expert opinion is that you have to play suboptimal units uh but you get um access to a little bit more damage and some offensive stratagems as well sure nice and i think this is a great example of a round one matchup because mm. often your round one matchup will be off meta it'll be things that you have not seen or you don't know the rules for and this is very much the case i don't think anyone in our team is really going to know the rules very well for this particular army mm. So at that point, you go down to your base fundamentals. What's the mission and what is your uh, win criteria? Is that what's called? Win condition. Mm-hmm. That's what you say, don't you? Yep. Um, so in this game, we're playing on Abandoned Sanctuaries, which is a Dawn of War mission. So you're, uh, you've got, you're playing along the long edges and you can't forward deploy or anything here. And um, it's quite interesting because this isn't an obsec uh, dynasty, so there is ability for Jim to be able to hold a little bit of primary here. And actually, I find that these lists actually lack obsec when they don't have the obsec thing. Makes a mm-hmm. big difference, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I think in abandoned sanctuaries, what usually happens is that there's, especially in UKTC, one of your flanks, so usually your right-hand side flank, has a little ruin that you can tuck into where the L lets you go further forward than the other side. Hard to explain, but essentially there's one good flank opposite your big L and there's one weak flank uh, on the other side. Um, Mm -hmm. And 
it, depending on the opponent's deployment, I find in these ones, you can end up being able to really attack one flank, but it's hard to tell until they've deployed which is the flank you go for. Um, because you only have one objective in your deployment zone, and then there's two in the middle on the midboard, if you can create this little L shape where you've got your objective and you can hold one of the flank objectives for eight on the primary, I found that puts you in a very strong position going through this game. Yep. With an army like Jim's, um, where he has a little bit of tough stuff and a little bit of fragile stuff, I'd usually tell him to try and identify what the flank is and put your tough stuff towards that flank. Um, so that would immediately mean that he has to deploy his tough stuff later on in his deployment step. Yep. That would be my kind of advice I'd give him before we start. What do you think, Dave? Yeah, and you kind of want your flamers to line up against uh, things that really matter. So there's only, when I look at Necron list, there's only a couple of things that can actually deal damage. And I just uh, quickly jumped on the old infamous Wahapedia to check out what the uh, Army of Renown does. And effectively, as per my understanding right now, is that you get plus one attack on everything. So mm -hmm. that's quite good. And Novok gives you access to plus one attack stratagem, if I remember correctly, and plus one strength mm -hmm. on the charge. Uh, but you are limited to the number of units you can take. And then uh, what I like to do is look at... Um, the first thing that jumped out to me was obviously he's playing three units of three Canoptic Spiders, which mm. if you're a player like me, you probably have no idea what they do. <laughs> so I usually go and see uh, what's a Canoptic Spider. And then uh, there is a strat with the Army of Renown called Aggression Overrides. And use it in your command phase. And Canoptic Spiders get two-inch movement and they become weapon skill two. So I think that's actually kind of one of his uh, leapfrog units that can actually deal a lot of damage here as well. So that's going to be something you want to look out for. But I think, you know, their saves are not, you know, they're not amazing. And then actually Dark Techno Flamers are quite good against them as well. So for sure, I think just making sure you're, you know, like when you play Jakari, of course, is that um, you're not getting into combat with the stuff that doesn't need to get into combat first. So your Incubi and whatnot like that. You want to make sure that you're tanking damage on your Raiders and your Grots and your... Um, and your Kronos as well. Importantly, I wonder if Canoptic Spiders can get to Strength 8, which of course is a breakpoint you want to check out if you're uh, minus one damage as well, right? Yeah, oh, well, so uh, Jim doesn't play the minus one damage, oh. but yeah, fair. Uh, I, I think this is really interesting because the first thing I think about when it comes to discussing this is the positioning and the kind of movement of the army. And the first thing you think about is the efficiency of what can kill what. <laughs> yeah, well, I and just want to, I want to try and identify why they would have gone for this particular army, right? Yeah, and it's, it's a good combination to have different kind of uh, ways of thinking when it comes to a team. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, definitely. Like, I think you've highlighted a unit in um, Aoife's list which could kill... Grotesques and Kronos, which is the Canoptic Spiders. Yep. Um, and, uh, it does seem like they only move six inches, so, so yeah. threat range is very projected at 18 inches. Uh, although they get plus two, so... Um, ah, there you go, so eight, 20. They can get the command protocols, but the army renown might shut off command protocols, so potentially sure. plus three. But um, yeah, no, you, you are right, though. But, um, you know, the, 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 at the end of the day, though, the Necron secondaries become a lot worse when you're not obsec, and that's a fundamental problem with it as well. And that... And in addition, you've got two Chronomancers, a Technomancer, a Canoptic Reanimator, a Canoptic Reanimator. These are not um, exactly most points efficient units as well. So as long as you can take out, and this is how I've approached Necrons for a long time, as long as you can take out the things that actually deal damage, then you can dirtle around the board for the next two turns whilst they have like, Scarabs and stuff like that alive, and you'll just uh, you'll win the game through that anyway. But you don't want to be focusing on killing Scarabs and whatnot down the early game. Nice. I think uh, Jim should have a really fun game into this. Very engaging armies yep. on both sides. So, yeah, best of luck, Jim. Smash it. And what I would say is that actually, 
uh, Julio, who I think is the rank one Dark Elder player, mm-hmm. uh, actually has a good record against Necrons as well as Dark nice. uh, as Dark Elder. So I think you know there's definitely uh, there's definitely a good play there. For sure. And uh, Dave, what's your uh, first pick of the list you wanted to chat yeah, about? So uh, we've got George uh, George White, who's a teammate of ours, and uh, he is playing Knights, Imperial Knights. He's played them for a long time, ever since I've known him at least. And he's playing uh, his same old list that he's played for a long time. Uh, it's the Freeblade Lance, and it's got one Paladin, uh, which has the ability to bond, I think, like three units. One of them is permanent, so it lasts for the next turn. And then he's got three Halverins, uh, which all have the um, uh, the auto cannons, and he's got another Halverin with the Bastard's Helm, and then he's got oh no uh, no the Bastard's Helm is on one of the three man squad. He's got another Halverin who's Quest Mechanicus, and then he's got uh, two units of one unit of Armager Warglaives, one unit of Armager Warglaives, and they both have the different one has Competitive Edge, and the other one has Transhipment in Combat, so they've got Melter Guns uh, on them as well. So this type of list to me is always a bit of a stat check. Uh, the thing I like about knights is that they often feed stuff into the middle through their secondary, which I think can oftentimes be the downfall of a knight player. Uh, I know that I may have lost a knight game if they hadn't have picked that secondary, but and it forces them to play a very specific way that you can very easily um, uh, play around. Right? It's very if they have to go mm-hmm. to the middle of the board and do an action every turn, it's it's something that you can yeah. reliably um, outplay every turn. Um, so what I would say is um, so. George's uh, first matchup, which is why we picked this, uh, he's playing yeah. against Kraken Nids. So uh, actually, <laughs> we'll get onto that later, and I'll be talking about Kraken Nids again. But um, his opponent's list is quite good. Uh, three Tyrant Guard, uh, three Zone Thropes, and um, three Venom Thropes. So it's got the classic 3-3-3 um, three, three, three there. Uh, he has then got... Okay, he's got the Flyrant with Reaper. Uh, he's got the Warlord trade one step ahead. Okay, I'm actually unsure what that is, but <laughs> look it up. But his flyer is fully kitted out with Adrenal Glands, so you can go D3 extra attacks, so you want to make sure you can um, just be notable of that. He's got two units of three warriors, one unit of gargoyles. Um, he's got two units of zone throat, sorry, two by three, a parasite of Mortrix, okay. Um, two by six raveners, I want to say. Uh, Looks like five. Two by five raveners, sorry. Yep. One unit of three biovores and one harpy with the Strangleton cannon, and he's got the spore assist. Very interesting. That's a powerful list. Yeah, so I kick it off with the Spore Assist, uh, just because we'll get it out of the way. I'm not sure where it can deploy, but once it's on the battlefield, it is reasonably trivial for knights to pick up. Uh, it doesn't have great mm-hmm. saves, so picking that up quickly is going to be good, because you can obviously get angles on it, and you know where it deploys um, on the board before you deploy as well. Uh, Harpy with Strangled Door Cannons is not the ideal unit you want against knights, unfortunately, because uh, you want heavy venom cannons if possible, but on this mission you can put the harpy in the uh, ruin uh, and basically hide it. So I'll, I'll talk about that in a second. So actually, okay, we'll go right into that now. So against the sure. harpy uh, on Dawn of War, your opponent should ideally put it in the large ruin and hide it from about 75% of the angle of the board. So what you need to do is make sure that you have your halverins positioned so that they can move 12 and shoot the harpy's tail when it's parked in that big ruin. So that's a little mm-hmm. deployment thing that you need to make sure you do. Uh, otherwise, they can outflank the harpy, which is what I would do as well if I was, my, if I was playing Kraken here. Uh, sure. Three biovores. Now, biovores are something that I've never played. Uh, I've played them, of course, on TTS, but oh, they're they so good. Are, they're brilliant if you go first. And actually, Knights is one of their better matchups because the move blocking is quite good with them. So, mm-hmm. if you go first with Kraken against Knights here, you you know you can shoot all three of your biovores and you can move block 
with additionally the gargoyles, the entire knight army in its own deployment zone. Well, actually just with the spore assistant and uh, um, bioballs as well. So I think it's important to potentially shoot the spore assists, uh, shoot the spore mines a little bit, and then actually um, charge them as well afterwards so you can get the movement so that they can't move block you another time. It's important that when you get move block in your deployment zone um, as knights, um, that you don't succeed yourself to getting move blocked again because you're effectively in the same position. You need to shoot them a little bit, then charge, or charge them, pile, and consolidate away. So you're actually gaining ground there. Uh, then he's got um, two units of five raveners. Five, unit five raveners is not really in the position where it's going to take out a knight per se from top to bottom. Uh, mm -hmm. Unit five raveners off the top of my head. Five attacks per 35, two zeroing ones, potentially exploding sixes. It should be you know, roughly 37, 38 hits divided by three, 13 saves. Um, on a four up and vulnerable should be about six and a half seven damage so mm -hmm. a full knight buffed in a four up and vulnerable will live against that whereas if it's a nine man revenue unit you won't um, do that as well uh, it'll yeah. get through that because they have shooting as well they have shooting as well but just depends yeah. with the reach doesn't it if they can reach an unbuffed one in the early game for sure yep yeah mm -hmm. so you and actually transhitment completely changes that math of course oh well. for sure nice uh, so two units of three zone throw that's interesting as well uh, i think this is the correct way to play kraken right now two units three zones um on Dawn of War, these are especially brutal as well because that's the exact match. This is actually the exact matchup for Kraken you want to be playing Knights on Dawn of War because Zone Throats have an immediate smite. So what you can actually do is you can actually backline your Knights so that um, their smite distance is longer and that they'll actually have to proceed their Zone Throats into the middle of the board to be able to smite you. So backlining your Knights is definitely an option there. And a very important thing to note, and unfortunately for George, he... I wouldn't say this is optimal because I would have liked to have seen one unit of three Quester Mechanicus Knights. I would have liked to have seen at least three Quester Mechanicus Knights here, not one. Mm -hmm. Because the five of mm -hmm. the painting against mortals is very relevant, especially in today's meta as well. Nice. But what you want to yeah. do is with that one Quester Mechanicus Knight is move it about an inch and a half forward so that um, it can soak all of the smite damage as well, which is just mm -hmm. makes you more efficient. So in your deployment, you want to make sure that everything is, par is in line and that one is slightly forward as well so that they can't move to funny angles and, you know, not see it and then smite and hit something else as well, which is something that I would, <laughs> I've done a lot of. He's got a pyrovore, but pyrovores don't do much. And then uh, he's got, um, yeah, the flyer. Now, the flyer is difficult to navigate. You're not actually going to be able to do anything about it the entire game, so I wouldn't worry too much about outplaying the flyer. It has tons of range on you. It'll kill something. If he's got the CP, he'll duck and kill something and come back. That's something you can't avoid. So I would definitely say don't take Renew the Oaths, particularly because that'll allow him to activate a large part of his army. I would probably take... Uh, I haven't done the math on no prisoners here, but that's definitely an option. But I would take the three other knight secondaries, potentially, as well. You want to be able to shoot your opponent off for three turns, especially because three of the objectives will be in the open in this mission off the top of my head. But um, have a knight so that it can obviously shoot down the side into the um, ruin for the one that uh, they can hide in the, the small L on the left-hand side if you're... Playing, um, your what, what do you think the turn in secondaries will be in this one? Yes, yeah, so I would definitely take Bring It Down. I would take, uh, if I have two characters, I usually play two Neurothropes, I would take uh, Warp Ritual, Bring It Down, oh. and potentially, um, uh, see this is the thing about the Kraken mm. one, it's a little bit different. I would be tempted to take the Synaptic um, Tally one, but mm -hmm. his, his list doesn't really allow for that because he doesn't have sign-ups on the Harpy either. I would... I mean, maybe... See, I, I, I think he only has one secondary here, personally. Like, I don't even think Warp Ritual is very good. 
It's tough on his list, yeah. Mental yeah. interrogation's not awful, though. So my advice to George looking at this would be that you know his secondary is going to be bad. Mm-hmm. You All you need to do is conserve your resources through this game, and he will give up stuff just trying to keep up on the points. Yep. Uh, if, if George just goes full ham with his whole army and gives too many targets, I think this nid list will be efficient enough to cause problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't know, Dave. Do you think like going really aggressive is the right thing in this kind of matchup? I think it's... Oh, as in if I were playing Kraken? If you were playing the uh, Knights. If I was playing Kraken. the Knights, I would not go aggressive at all, no. I would play yeah, passive I agree. for the first three turns, at the very yeah. least. Yeah. And yeah, it's more about resources. the deployment. Yeah, you need to make sure your deployment is... And deployment, I think, as all top players know, is the hardest thing to master. Um, yeah. Deployment is something that I've always tried to improve on as much as possible. And it's a bit of a game of chess. You need to make sure that your units are lining up where their units are obviously going to deploy. He also mm. has the Parasite of Mortrix, which has alien cunning. So you did, you know, but knights have five optic models anyway, so holding yeah. objectives should not be an issue there. But yeah, I mean, it's um, it's a bit of a bit of a matchup for the for the ages. This one, you know, cracking nids against uh, knights, and it's not as bad as it used to be with leviathan nids. Um, but um, actually, I think it's a challenge. I think it's, you know, I think it's close to 50-50, I think on, uh, on both sure. sides, my opinion. Yeah, come on, George. A place <laughs> <laughs> so George takes some notes, maybe. But uh, I mean, that's you know, I think I went on a bit of a spiel there. But it's kind of nice when you have someone on your team that is an expert in the faction that you're playing against. They can give you all the tips, and they can give you the very nuanced and critical insight into things like deployment, like secondaries, like overall strategy, and one like that. It can really save your bacon sometimes. Hundred percent. That sounds awesome. Man. guys so um after that we just covered two of our teammates lists so let's go on to the general public we wanted to chat about some people's lists that we thought were interesting so uh vic who have you selected for this one so i really wanted to go for one of the votan lists i had uh dylan and Pri- brian seep brian seep mm-hmm. i yep. think uh so... i actually played dylan uh the night uh last night actually on tts <laughs> oh really yeah. okay okay oh that'll be some interesting insight so um we've got i've, I've got brian's list open here and brian's list says brian in uh speech marks dave says this will be boring so (laughs) how can how can we not go through his list so let's let's see what this boring votan list is so it's a ymir list um ymir gives plus four inch range and also four plus invuln to anything with a two up armor save a five plus invuln to anything with less than that um and in the list he's taken advantage of that by running three units of five berserks alongside two land fortresses so the berserks get the five up invuln and the two land fortresses will get the four up invuln mm-hmm. the land fortresses have gone full beams so both of them have um, the big beam on top and two uh, two sets of two ion beamers on the sides he's then finished off the list by running just two units of uh, bikes and three units of 10 hardkin warriors two of those units of hardkin warriors uh 
have medipacks and scanners. So I guess they're the ones which kind of go forward. And then one of them's just naked and probably stays at the back. Yep. And then he's got the full uh, allotment of three characters in his battalion. So he's got the Forge Master with the Master Armorer trait. He mm -hmm. spelt it wrong, though. So that's minus 10 points for him from me. <laughs> and he's got uh, the Grimnir, which is the Psycho with the uh -huh. Murmuring Stave. That lets him do a psychic action and still cast a spell. Mm -hmm. And he's got mm -hmm. the plus one CP and the Fortify spell spell which is the six up feel on a plane plus one toughness yep. uh and he's got null vortex which is a third spell he can take because of the relic i don't know what that does yep. um and then he's got a call just a normal call he's got a teleportation crush crest and he's gone for the full damage combo of the grudge's end which gives him plus one damage on his bolter mm. um and plus one ap and he's got a long list which lets him ignore cover and um, kind of snipe characters as well if the character has a judgment token on it. Nice. And anytime an enemy unit dies with a judgment token, if the Carl can see anything, he can transfer the judgment token over to another unit. So yep. very useful Warlord trait. Um, that certainly seems really powerful, at least on yeah, paper. It's an ex excellent Warlord trait. It really gives a lot of abilities for just the, uh, the one CP investment. Um, that's so, his list. It's small. Did you say, <laughs> sorry, did you say three units of five Berserks or two? Three units of five Berserks, okay. all with the hammers, so all and three he's damage. Got, he's also got the Grimnir in there as well, actually, which is a bit of a controversial point. Yeah, the Grimnir is questionable in this meta just because of how powerful Thousand Suns and Flamers are, mm -hmm. and taking a Grimnir automatically opens a very powerful secondary for the Thousand Suns in Wrath of Magnus, yep. um, which uh, which is basically like an auto auto 12 to 15, realistically. Yeah, I would say, yeah. yep. Um, and it also removes your Abhor the Witch, so it's a gosh, theoretical yeah. 25 point differential. Yeah, so if if you were tailoring for the Thousand Suns and Flamers match, you really don't want the Grimnir in there. Mm. Uh, but the Grimnir is an excellent tech piece, giving plus one CP every turn, which really fuels the, um, the land fortresses, yep. uh, which actually do eat up a fair bit of CP just to throw out all their mortal wounds and yep. use all their strats. It you fuels them with jet fuel. <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely. Cause... And also, I do like the stave though as well, right? Because you can mental interrogate and then, um, you know, use a, still use another spell, right? It's pretty good. See, my thinking is that I, I think the Grimnir is very questionable to take a psychic secondary. If you have a single guy on foot who's doing your psychic secondary, it's very prone in armies like this to just losing him or not really um, being able to go into a forward position to actually do the psychic secondaries. Yep. Uh, but it's better than nothing, and Votan don't have the best secondary choices generally yep. anyway. Yep. Um, I, th I quite like this list. Um, I know Brian's been uh, playing this and, and working on it since we chatted in Coventry. Mm -hmm. uh, because uh, um, you went there on the third day, but yeah, we're all, all of us were sitting down, we we're talking about this a lot, and this is where I said Votan seems incredibly boring to play. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned it there. Um, I guess the Grimnir is a one point of differential, but, you know, I think this is probably going to be the first event where Votan is really going to be played in the UK uh, scene here, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, we had a lot of them at the team event, which was a slightly different build to this yep. one. Um, personally, I feel like that build is slightly stronger than this one. Mm -hmm. The triple berserks are not so good in UKTC terrain. That forward moving melee, like slow melee is not ideal. Yep. Um, but... He's got a, like a lot of units, like compared to most of our tan lists. Mm. Uh, it's very one-dimensional, um, but 
you know, I think Brian's also a very good general. So a good general with an army that is a little bit of a stat check, very strong, direct line of fire damage yeah. uh, can still give very good results. So I'll be very interested to follow how he does during this event. Yeah, I don't know what he has round one, but good luck to Brian, of course. Come and, on, Brian. Um, I was going to say, I was going to say, you know what, when you were talking about the army list, I would just like to mention that I think the internal balance of the Votang Codex is very poor in the sense that there is clearly one best, um, uh, you know, Forge World to take, right? Like, it's just like Ymir everywhere, which is disappointing. Um, you know what's funny is that the armies that have been doing the best in tournaments, like actually winning the events, has been the melee one. Mm. Uh, I forgot it's like something hegemony or something. Really? Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> it's so funny. Okay. So yeah, the one which makes berserks basically kill anything they touch. Yeah, yeah. Uh, has won two events, and I don't think Votan's really won anything else. Okay, okay. Oh, maybe I'll stand corrected. That's right. We'll see. We'll see. No, but uh, that's great. Uh, I'll, I'm going to jump on to um, a guy who you probably might have heard of before. Uh, the Mr. Mike Costello, who I think is playing something, I, I take it it is similar to a list that he played in the Bay Area Open, I yep, want to say. looks in, like uh, it. In West Coast in California. And uh, this is High Fleet Hydra. And I'm just going to put it out there right now. I don't think this list is good. Oh, <laughs> poor Mike. But, and, and I don't mean that offensively. I'm sure Mike would probably also say this is not the best list. But um, I'll go over that in a second, and I think and we'll, we'll kind of see why. Okay, so he's got a uh, three Tyrant Guard and a Flyrant. Okay, great. Uh, he's got uh, Adaptive Biology, so five up Feel No Pain off the top of my head, and he's got Reaper of Obliterax. Okay, cool. Full, uh, he's got Adrenal Glands as well. Cool, so he can go in and do D3 extra attacks. He's got a Turvagon, which I think is actually not that bad. I think yeah. Turvagon's pretty good. He's got the more Claws of Thyrex, which is something I would play as well. It's a nice loadout. It means that Turvagon is actually a pretty relevant beast in melee. Uh, it's also T8 with a 2 up base save, and you can't target it because he's got a unit of 20 termagants. So, okay, that's I can get behind that. That's so far not bad. What I, where, where this gets a little bit funky is that he's got three units of 15 Hormagorns. Now, mm-hmm. normally when you would say High Fleet Hydra, of course you play Hormagorns, because if you don't know, guys, High Fleet Hydra is when you attack a unit with fewer models of your own, you get plus one to the hit roll. And um, then the, oh, I'll check what his adaptive is, although I take it it's plus one to charge. We're going to find out here in a second. It's a um, adaptive hydra. uh, Maybe it's just a hydra one? Okay. Oh, it's just a hydra one. Okay. So add one inch to the movement of, um, uh, to the move characteristic of models. So plus one inch uh, move. And whenever you move, you can make a consolidation of uh, additional three inches, which is actually strictly better than plus one to charge. So that's why I was wondering if he was going to play plus one to charge, but no, this one's strictly better. Uh, so Hormigaunts, um, guys, are an interesting data sheet. I actually think that they are one of the worst data sheets in the Turner Codex. And I'm give you some background. They are the melee equivalent of, um, of Termagants, right? So they're only melee. But then they're Strength 3. Okay, Strength 3. Not amazing. That's, that's pretty tough. They're also Weapon Skill 4. Like... Why is the only why is the melee only variant of of the Gant weapon skill four? Okay, yeah, and strength three. I mean, absolutely mind-boggling why that is designed like that. I think I think it's it's travesty. They're also eight points per model. Um, yeah, they're very expensive. I I, I saw that. It's yeah, a really expensive unit for how tough they are. So, but 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 they are really good though because they have three right. attacks at strength three, AP one, damage one. No, that's terrible. 
<laughs> so, I mean, it, <laughs> I mean, there must be some element of movement shenanigans for this because they are OPSEC, aren't they? So They are OPSEC. So you can move them pretty fast and they have a right. stratagem for auto advance 6 and advance and charge. So sure, you okay. can move them off the top of my head 11 inches, 17 inches and advance and charge with no psychic power, which is not terrible, right? Yep. But they also That's do no damage. So uh, but that's that's fine in itself because primary denial is a very powerful tool sure. uh, in this meta. So it's uh, not bad. Uh, yeah, yeah. That is 120 points, though. Okay, it's expensive. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we've got uh, a Death Leaper. Uh, okay, yeah, I, I can get behind the Death Leaper, but uh, probably not the most competitive pick. In Hydra, I, you know, I guess he's a little bit better. Uh, three Venom Thropes, three Zone Thropes. Okay, pretty standard. He's got the Parasite of Mortrex, Alien Cunning, good again. Uh, Ripper Swarm, three three Ripper Swarms, okay. Uh, you know, again, not a not a stellar uh, data sheet, I would say. And then he's got three units of one Screamer Killers. Now, I wish no one, more than no one, that Screamer Killers were amazing. Screamer Killers are not bad, I'll be honest with you. If a Screamer Killer gets into combat... It does a lot of damage, and I was okay. when the when the Tyranny Codex first came out, I was going on about Screaming Killers because they basically have like eleven attacks at okay strength six, but okay that's not bad. But they'll probably be hitting on twos in this uh, Hydra, hopefully. Uh, eleven attacks, strength six, negative three, flat three. That's pretty good, Ooh, and they are minus one damage, and a two up base save. Okay, that's not bad, but they do move well in the Hydra. They'll move eleven inches, so. Okay, not bad, but they are a kind of big model that you can tie around the board, right? So, yeah, I'm not, I'm not against that, but I think you hit the hammer on the, uh, the nail on the head when you talked about this is a kind of primary denial st mm -hmm. type list, and the easiest way to combat that is you just park all your obsec on the objective and and just wait for your opponent's inferior data sheets to um, to arrive on your objective to the point where you can still hold it. Uh, and then, in addition to that, if they're not going to go for it, then you slowly shoot um, shoot them at angles across the board. That's I think that's probably the most typical way of dealing with lists um, that can t that can attack your primary objective. I think that's definitely how I would try and uh, try and approach this list is just trying to shave off little bits. Like if I can shoot twenty termagants, great. Fifteen mm -hmm. hormagons, great. Because this is a reasonably big footprint as well. This is uh, 15, 15, 45 models, sixty five, plus um, uh, three screamer killers. Plus characters, plus uh, zone throws and whatnot as well. So, it's uh, it's gonna be interesting. Sorry, Mike, you're, you're a good guy, but okay. I'm I'm I, I hope it does well. I hope I, it does well. I'm gonna give Mike a lot of props here, right? Okay. Because I think a this is a very unique and uh, creative list. B I think Mike is one of the best like technically skilled 40k players I've ever played mm -hmm. uh, in my 40k career. And, and I think he's also an absolute gentleman about the way he plays. So I, I think Mike has consistently done well with armies that are off meta because of his player skill. And, um, you know, I really respect him for that. And I think he will do well in this event and will be uh, showing off that player skill is very important in this game. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I, I wish Mike all the best of luck with this. Uh, you know, I think his, uh, so Mike plays for Vanguard Tactics, right? Mm -hmm. And I think um, I saw that Steve, Steve Box, has gone for a very off-meta kind of Eldar list. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm not convinced Steve is going to have the greatest time with that very off-meta list. Mm -hmm. uh, because 
in order to make something as wild as running 15 Shining Spears work in this meta, he's just going to have a really tough time. So best of luck to Steve, but I think Mike is going to do really, really well here and his player skills really going to show through. Okay, I'm going to take the opposite, because uh, I, I do agree with you in, my, in Mike's mm. player skill, and um, we've had the fortunate pleasure of playing a couple of times, mm -hmm. uh, and, um, uh, and when he was playing Death Watch. And he's definitely uh, a player that knows combat phase very well, and this yeah. is definitely an army where you want to know that. However, I think UKTC boards are not designed for an army like this to succeed, and I would say that the event he won in the Bay Open had significantly different terrain. Uh, to uh, the UKTC terrain and I would also in addition to that say that the meta has evolved into a place where shooting is quite prevalent as well I would not want to play this list against Tau for example uh, I would say yeah, that is gosh. literally auto loose gosh, um, so, yeah. uh, has, has Kyle so Kyle is another Vanguard soccer player has he gone back to Tau because I know he played in the team event with uh, Blood Angels Ah, Kyle is I, be I believe is also playing Tau as well Kyle so. is on Tau oh he's on a very strong Tau list as well so yep. Yes, straight on, on point on the meta there with yep. uh, Kyle's list. Good, good for him. There we go. Speaking of the meta, we might as well segue right into that. Let's do it. We're going to uh, do a brief cover of the meta, kind of at Coventry, uh, sorry, at Leicester, and we'll have a little bit of a discussion. So, Vic, what do you think? I guess maybe a good way to springboard this is what do you think the changes uh, from Coventry? to Lister have been? Uh, so, on a personal level, or you think on a meta level? I think, yeah, let's just keep it right on the meta for, for the time being. So, I don't think much has technically changed, because Astra Militarum, so Imperial Guard hasn't really, um, like, isn't allowed in events. Leagues of Votan is probably the biggest shift in the meta. Um, I think it's become more and more obvious over time. Well, actually, it was always obvious that Flamers are very, very powerful. We were talking about that two episodes back, right? And yep. that's almost a month back from now. Um, that Flamers are very, very powerful. Mm -hmm. I think one thing that hasn't been explored in the UK meta as much as it sh it's going to be this weekend is the power of the Thousand Suns and Flamers combination. Yep. And I think... It has a very low play rate at the moment, but it's an extremely powerful army, which we found in testing. And it's probably the reason why both of us have brought Thousand Suns and Flamers to this event. Yep. Um, it's, it sits in an interesting place because it doesn't feel broken. The Flamers are very, very powerful, so they are a little bit broken. Mm -hmm. But the combination of the two together creates a very powerful synergy that is both engaging to play and also very, very strong. Mm -hmm. So it's an army that I think a lot of top players uh, or players who enjoy playing competitive 40k will jump onto. And we've seen that in Leicester now. And I think that's going to be the big meta shift for us in Leicester. Me, you, and about three or four other really like experienced players have jumped onto Thousand Suns and Flamers for this event. Yeah, I, I would completely agree with you. I think Thousand Suns and Flamers is the biggest kind of... Um, uh, I guess if you were to, you know thematically code the event that would be the um kind of the biggest talking point mm -hmm. i think i would definitely agree with you in that thousands of flamers it's for i think a lot of people have we've kind of been in a bit of a stale measure has been a little bit boring and is kind of solved as well and i think that thousands of flamers presented itself as an opportunity to a play a strong army and b play one that was uh, engaging and new as well so uh, I think it's no surprise that a lot of people, um, including both of us, have jumped onto that because, you know, if you're a top-tier competitive player, that's two things that are the reason you play the game, right? Exactly. You've got an army where you can compete very well, and it's uh, fun and engaging to play. 
Now, in terms of the rest of the meta, we've got uh, Leagues of Votan as well, which will be at the event for kind of the first time. So we'll, it'll be interesting to see how they've done. What I would say is that uh, we're also missing the Astra Militarum Codex, which I think is a sad decision by GW uh, to disallow that from the tournament. I know it got sold in a limited box uh, run, so it was theoretically limited to by which players could get access to it. But like in life, many things are limited, and uh, there are other things in games and you know in 40k that are limited that not everyone can get access to as well. And I think it's just a shame that people have been waiting for that codex for such a long time, and only to have it uh, available to them, but not at tournaments. So that's my side rant on that. I won't go any further on that one. Um, so we won't, we won't be having oh, you. We won't be having you, guard. We want the rant, Dave. Uh, okay. Uh, next, okay. okay, guys. What I would say yeah. is next episode, I'm going to be having a big rant. Big so rant. We'll get, Multiple rants. We'll get stuff off our chest in the next episode. <laughs> there's some. There's some good stuff to talk about. <laughs> Um, and then we've got, obviously, uh, Tau, which I think still remains very prominent. Uh, we've got uh, Nassim playing Tau as well, which I think is uh, something you'd obviously expect. We've got uh, Mike Porter playing Harlequins as well, which is uh, the previous winner of Coventry, which, as I'm going to brag now, I totally picked to win the whole event, so I'm uh, happy that he went undefeated. <laughs> Mike is insane, you know. Um, yeah. I was looking through the CRS rankings of the win-loss ratings, mm -hmm. and I was doing the percentages of the top 10. Yep. Um, and there are three players above a 90%. Mm -hmm. um, there's Manny and Tom Ogden, mm -hmm. uh, who are both kind of in the lower 90s, uh, which is crazy, right? right. 90% win rate with a high volume of games is insanity. Mm -hmm. um, but both of them have a little bit of drama attached. You know, there's mm -hmm. stuff going on in the background. Mike has zero drama, and he has the highest win percentage out of anyone in the world at 97.5%. Good on you, Mike. That officially, certifies, <laughs> that officially certifies you as the best Warhammer 40k player on the planet right now. Signed Insane. off by 40k fireside. Like, it doesn't matter that he's not top of the ITC rankings. That level of win rate attending multiple big events is insanity. So, well played, Mike. Well played, Mike. Uh, although I will note that he did drop to uh, not lower his win rate uh, from LGT. Oh, he, he he so he was due to play me right oh, no. in that round so he probably would have kicked my ass so <laughs> i escaped that one here's what i will do though and i'll make another prediction for this event i think this yeah. is going to be a very tough event for mike porter because i know from my playtesting that harlequins is it's very tough to beat thousand suns flamers as harlequins and given that there are about six strong players on that exact army i think that's going to be tough obviously mike has the benefit of being uh, a kind of faction master, but uh, I've also had the pleasure of playing against some very good Harlequin players as well. Uh, obviously, Vic yourself included. Um, so I think that matchup's going to be a bit of a tough one. So let's see if he can dodge it though. You know, he did play uh, he did play the gauntlet, so to speak, in Coventry. So um, yeah, that'll be interesting. And then we've got uh, we've got I think the thing that uh, and this is what I was going to say about Kraken when I mentioned it earlier is that I think if I had submitted Kraken for this tournament it would have been an absolute powerhouse of a list primarily because uh, Kraken actually has a good matchup into basically everything here uh, particularly uh, it has a great matchup into Thousand Suns and Flamers uh, and the reason it has a good matchup into Thousand Suns Flamers is because it has that reach where you can get your Raveners into all of the uh, um, kind of important units I'm still rambling and then 
Oh, you saw. <laughs> and then uh, then you've obviously got harpies, which can bomb both the terminators. So, Vic, I was just catching uh, catching everyone up with saying that mm. I wish I'd kind of submitted Kraken Nids for this event because I think that might oh, have been man, that would have been that would so have been good. the list to win the whole event uh, because it's great into Thousand Suns oh. Flamers, good into Harlequins. It's got a you know coin flip matchup into Tau. Uh, I think that would have been a really good a really good Kraken. Kraken is a hundred percent the counter to this so kraken and blood angels are the two most powerful <laughs> armies into the thousand suns yeah. flamers and i think kraken is even better than the blood angels generally into yep. the you've meta. got denies you have minus one to cast um, you have harpies for mortal wound bombs and you got the reach as well funnily enough that you mentioned that yeah. but my round one is blood angels <laughs> Oh, I'm, well, if you're going to play them on any mission, at least play them on the one where they can't kind of run at you with death company. Yes, I was definitely one. worried, and then I realized that he can't forward deploy um, on this mission. So I was like, oh, I got a little bit lucky on that one. <laughs> so, yeah. No, but, um, yeah, look, I think we're both really excited to play the army. We've come together uh, with some pretty similar lists, and I think the lists uh, across the six players, six strong players that are playing it, are reasonably similar. But I think if you're... Uh, if you know a lot about the game, then you can perhaps identify that there's actually quite a bit of list nuance, uh, decision nuances in there. So they're not all kind of copy and paste lists. Uh, so I, I, I like I know this is like cliche, but I genuinely, out of all of the Chaos Legions, Thousand Suns mm -hmm. is my favorite. Um, and I, I don't know if you remember, Dave, but when the Thousand Suns Codex came out, I was immediately onto it mm. trying to test it. And what I found was that it's actually extremely one-dimensional when you play 20 Terminators and then just yep. Rubric Marines. Um, the damage profiles are all very, very one-dimensional and the movement of the army is very one-dimensional as well. And I think adding the Flamers in instead of the second unit of Terminators um, opens up the army to be really interesting to play with. Um, it's it's also admittedly extremely strong. Uh, it covers a lot of the weaknesses of the army, so it ends up with very few bad matchups. But I think we found in testing that actually every game is challenging yep. and interesting um, to use the army. So I think that's why there's quite a few of them at this event. And um, uh, yeah, it, it'll be really interesting to see just how well the kind of six T-Suns and Flamers players do. Uh, which is still not a very high amount, to be honest, across 240 players. Uh, well, there are more than six, but these there are six strong oh, are players there? playing um, reasonably, uh, reasonably similar lists as well. Are I there more there than six? Maybe, Gosh. maybe nine players or something like that. But they're not all, but outside okay. of that six That's players, still they're okay. not all playing um, kind of high-end optimal lists as well. But, but you know, sure, I think sure. looking at the numbers, I think knights were extremely popular. Uh, I think even like Dark oh, yeah, Elder were. were very popular. Tau were as well. So I don't think uh, that... It's it's one of the top represented armies by uh, any means necessary as well. Fantastic. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you want to go into any of the list details or not really. Maybe we'll save that for after yeah, the no, event. No, let's do it now. Yeah, of course. Should we do it? So let's I think when when cool, did man. we decide to when did we decide to play this list? I think it was probably after Coventry some point, right? Uh, like pretty much straight after Coventry. Um, we both had this on our radar because uh, we have to give credit to Liam yep. VSL from Team Belgium, um, who kind of initially came up with this idea on yep. the world scene. And uh, he came second in a major event and went undefeated with uh, yep. T-Suns and, and was Flamers. Second place at and the he was second place in last weekend as well. Yeah. Oh yes. So so he's he's a an exceptional player, like probably one of the best, if not one of the like up right there with one of the very very best players in the world. And uh, he was running this list, and we got our inspiration mm -hmm. from him to kind of try it and test it. 
And I think we both realized very quickly that this is an army that will sit very well in a singles yep, match. Sure. Uh, and will also work effectively on UKTC terrain. Um, so we both started to just play around with our list ideas and develop them. I think you took a very similar list to Liam and I took a, kind of a more of a UK heavier damage approach and then we ended up kind of meeting in the middle with yeah, everything. I think, uh, I'm going to go off on a little bit of a tangent here. I think there is a, there is merit uh, to, and this is harkens back to when I played Magic the Gathering a lot, uh, we're actually cop net, uh, net listing and copying decks or copying 75s, uh, 75 um, card decks uh, was very common. And one thing that I learned was very important was to not make adjustments to a list before you actually try it. So what the approach I like to take is that uh, if someone has done well, I take their exact list, I play it probably two games before I maybe start making tweaks. And then from there, I kind of get more reps with it and innovate and constantly try and um, communicate with the person. They say, oh, what were your thoughts around this? What were your thoughts around that? So I'm quite engaged in yeah. taking something um, and then innovating and, and trying to adjust it for our terrain. Because obviously they play on WTC, we play on UKTC, um, and there's a lot of terrain nuances in there as well. And I think your approach is probably the um, kind of more safe and correct one for people generally coming into competitive 40k and trying to do better. Um, the way I tend to do it, and I'm, I'm not a very common way of doing it, is if I see a list concept I like, I look at what the core concept is and I will start from Battlescribe, just a completely empty mm. slate and just build a list up from the ground up. But that's that's something you do after many, many years of playing the game and if list building is one yeah. of your strengths. Um, but the way you do it, kind of teching and working back from a successful concept is definitely the more effective way. Yeah, of doing so I mean, maybe if, you're a, maybe if you're a new player and you want to um, try and swap factions, maybe, maybe, take, uh, maybe take that approach of just trying out something that's been successful and then just being like, hey, you know, I, I would rather prefer to play this. And then because you'll have your local knowledge, uh, subject matter expertise on whether or not something might be the right call or might not be because we're all local metagaming to, to a certain extent as well. But um, yeah, the list is broadly speaking, uh, six bricks of Rubik mm -hmm. Marines with Soul Reaper Cannons, Araman on a disc, Exalted Sorcerer, uh, and then Infernal Master. And you've got the Unprolific Crystal to teleport in the command phase. And then you've also got Sorcerer's Facade, which lets you teleport an infantry unit um, in the psychic phase as well. So you have two units, uh, two methods of teleporting out of combat as well. Uh, and then you have uh, a, um, you can play a Rhino. I'm playing the Rhino. Uh, and then you can also have um, Zinch uh, in there as well, of course. I'm playing the Change Caster, um, but a lot of people, and the majority of people, I think I might be the only one playing the, the Change Caster. I think most yeah. people have gone with the Fate Skimmer, which is plus one to cast, a bigger base is a bit more of a melee threat, but it's 70 points more. Uh, and then I'm playing six, five, and three Flamers, something 14 Flamers. And I think yeah. most people have, obviously the, obviously the list is quite similar, but there's probably about 150 points of flex there, depending on the uh, combination of flamers that you have, uh, and then whether or not you play the Fate Skimmer or the Change Caster, which obviously, <laughs> maybe I'm in the wrong, just playing the Change Caster. Um, and then, yeah, then maybe five bricks of Rubik's, six bricks of Rubik's, or maybe you want to play some Enlightened or something like that as well. Yeah, that's it. I mean, the differences between our list are extremely minimal. I think uh, we have the same number of flamers, but I have 554, yep. five, and you have 654, five, uh, 653. And, no, 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 we've oh, got you've got one list, right? Yep. We've got the same, yeah. And then you've got a Rhino, but instead I've used those points to upgrade my Change Caster into yep. a Fate Skimmer. 
Uh, and otherwise, it's pretty much the same. I've just got just about enough points because I've dropped a couple of Soul Reaper cannons to add a disc onto my Exalted Sorcerer. So your yep. one's on foot and my exactly. one's in the sky. So I've opted so, for the two uh, slower characters, that's for sure, right? That would probably be the biggest thing. Yeah. But interestingly, I think your approach is good. Um, you get a lot more teleport options with the small characters. You get options to open, raise the banner, raise banners uh, with the teleports. But, but I, I get a little bit more on the board mobility with the mortal wounds definitely. and uh, a bit more durability as well. With definitely the agree. Um, my approach has always been to um, look at my list and then see what I could do without, like as in what I could get away with if I deployed perfectly as well. Um, and that's kind of that's kind of things that you can shave are movement abilities right um and that's kind of that's kind of Definitely. how i looked at it as well you do get the option to teleport if you're not on the disc as well unless you're playing the unprolific crystal oh, on him, which of course you are as well which allows you to do that yeah so that's that's one shift isn't it you've got the unprolific crystal on the infernal master which can stay backfield and kind of be in between multiple units it allows the exalted sorcerer to go yep. somewhere else and not be forced into being near the unprolific crystal i've just put it on the exalted sorcerer on disc so he can teleport uh, but it requires different uh, positioning tactics yeah. between. There are, I mean, there are. I think both of our lists there's pros and cons um, for each one. There's there's mm -hmm. no strictly better argument to it at the end of the day. I don't think as well. Yeah. And then absolutely, I think. Um, oh, just one last touch because I think Josh Roberts and Alex are the two other really good players um, who are running this list, and uh, I know. There's an option uh, in these lists to drop one of the rubric squads and add in some tech pieces. So you tend to see some Zangor Enlightened or Big Bricks of Chaos Spawn and things uh, thrown into the list. So uh, we've just gone purely rubrics and terminators. They've gone for a few tech pieces. Yeah, exactly. And both of those units are pretty cheap. I can see actually Josh Roberts has a Zangor Shaman as well, which is interesting. Um, uh, yep. Two, three, four, five rubric bricks. Uh, but he has... Oh, he's got all of that too. Yeah, so I guess he dropped the Rubik's and then he's also, oh, he's also playing Fate Skimmer as well. So yeah, I mean, a couple of tech pieces. Zangle Shaman allows you to do Undeniable Warp Ritual. Uh, and then the Enlightened, which definitely did not perform for me. Um, uh, I kind of out there for move blocking I, I, and then um, some uh, engage on all fronts. I think because our first test game was a mirror, I think we immediately dropped all the chaff because in the mirror, you don't yeah. want chaff. <laughs> you, so uh yeah well the mirror is going to be interesting all right <laughs> for sure it's going to yeah, be a thing we have the best list for the mirror well you know we'll find out fingers crossed bro. but i mean there's a lot of player skill in that one that's for sure so um yeah it's going oh, to yeah. forward to it's full how are your skill. uh how are you feeling going into uh going into Lister then uh, so I uh, used to play Possessed with Thousand Suns. This is this is beyond before your time, Dave. <laughs> uh, and I used to run a brick of 20 rubrics forward deploying. So I had my rubric marines all kind of speed painted. And now to kind of like dust them off and uh, paint up all the gold trim and everything. They're looking so cool. The Thousand Suns models are gorgeous. <laughs> they are great. Uh, yeah, they're really nice, aren't they? So... Uh, I'm, I'm really excited to put the army on the board. It plays in a way, right? It's got some Emperor's Children vibes mm -hmm. to me. Uh, I'm using the same squad marking kind of tokens that I use for the Emperor's Children on mm -hmm. the Thousand Suns. And uh, I'm, I'm really excited. I think it's going to be very good in a singles meta. And you're going to lose games because you made mistakes, which is a nice place to be. Not because you've lost first turn, not because your opponent has like the perfect counter mm -hmm. to your army. There's no direct counter uh, to lose army, games. As, as far as I can see. 
for sure. Even the like the slightly bad matchups are not direct counters. You can still play for those sure. games out. Uh, it, it just requires full brain power, which is the thousand cents way. <laughs> All right, we're going to be exercising a lot of brain power uh, coming up in a couple of days' time. We've got seven people from our team coming, which is uh, a nice turn up for us finally. Uh, we've got six people in an Airbnb, myself included. So that, to me, uh, ultimately is what Warhammer is all about. I don't think I would uh, play the game if it wasn't for the community, if it wasn't for the social aspect of the game. So I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to be an absolute blast. If you guys are looking forward to it, you're going to be at Leicester. Come and say hello to us, of course. We love uh, meeting everyone and getting the feedback for the 40K Fireside podcast. And we hope that you've had a great time listening today. And I'm going to give a special shout-out to people who don't listen to us on YouTube, that listen to us on Apple Podcasts or through our Anchor FM Catcher or Spotify. We love you guys. I think we just hit recently, I saw that we had over 600 unique uh, unique listeners. So that to me is a, a crazy statistic. So, so oh, we love awesome. you guys. Have a good evening, everyone. I'll try to get this uploaded tomorrow. Peace out. Thank you for listening. Cheers, guys. See you at the next one. Podcast. Bye. Luke and I hope you've enjoyed listening and we greatly appreciate any feedback that you can provide after the show.